0: I wanted to create the relationship of my dreams, So I thought, who do I have to be in order to create this? I used to be so fixated on getting a result. Like, I want to get the result to the point where I would basically self-sabotage and the anxiety was basically be repelling, you know, which understandably, because if you've ever had it done to you where someone came off as too desperate or too eager, just they don't seem present and they don't seem like they're having fun. So I know what that feels like. You know, you know what it feels like when you feel good. So that was my goal. How do I feel good? Okay.
1: Welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. I'm your host, May Buchenhagen. I am the founder of Two Asian Matchmakers, which is a boutique matchmaking company that started in Los Angeles. And now I help men and women all across the US and in Asia, especially men that want to meet Asian women. This week, I have Christine Chang. She is a best selling author, speaker, and podcast host based in Los Angeles. She draws from her personal experience as an independent career-minded woman who experienced challenges with her romantic relationships. Today, Christine helps modern women navigate the often messy world of dating and relationships with ease, grace, and fun. She loves to share her wisdom via her popular podcast, Show Up with Christine Chang, and on stages across the country. Her book, Show Up: Finding Love for Independent Women, has helped thousands of professional women all over the world create the relationship of their dreams. Welcome to the show, Christine. How are you?
0: Thank you so much. I'm doing pretty good. In LA the sun's still shining and I mean, that's the best thing about LA, right? It's the weather. So, overall everything is great.
1: Yes, yes. Tell the audience a little bit. I know I read your very impressive bio, but just kind of in your own words, how did you get started and what made you decide to write the book and to help other women navigate their romantic relationships?
0: Sure. So I like to make it clear from the beginning that I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I am an entrepreneurial woman who has had several different careers, I used to work in marketing, and my last career was a wedding photographer, a wedding and celebrities for 15 years, and I'm also currently in career transition as well. I don't know if you want to talk about this podcast, that's probably a whole separate conversation because I talk a lot about the emotions regarding career transition, uh, but my background is an entrepreneurial woman who had trouble with dating for many years before I met my husband. And I know what it feels like to be there, which is not fun, especially if you're high performing. I feel that it could be hard to go there with the emotions or even be vulnerable to talk about. There's tons of dating solutions out there, you know, tons of dating solutions, but someone I want women to feel less lonely and seen and know there's nothing wrong with you. Because I used to think that, that that was the baseline feelings. Is there something wrong with me? Because I feel like I have a good family. I know how to make money. I got cool hobbies that I'm good at. why is this one sliver of life so challenging for me? And so I did the work. I did personal growth. I dove into uh, Lots of different modalities from therapy to going to certain conferences to having conversations with my parents. And it's not easy to be there, but I knew what I wanted. I wanted to create the relationship of my dream. So I thought, who do I have to be in order to create this? And it's it was a journey really to coming comfortable in my own skin, owning who I was. I just want to be happy and feel good. You know, I I was I used to be so fixated on getting a result, like I want to get the result to the point where it almost it I would basically self sabotage, and the anxiety was would basically be repelling. You know, which understandably because if you've ever had it done to you, where someone came off as too desperate or too eager, just they don't seem present and they don't seem like they're having fun. So. I know what that feels like. You know, you know what it feels like when you feel good. So that was my goal. How do I feel good? And so that's why I wrote this book. And it was based on many years of dating. And I used to blog a lot as well while I was a photographer. And I would share my work along with some of my personal growth stories. And then when the pandemic hit, basically all events stopped completely. And I had already thought about leaving wedding photography for a while. I just, it was hard to leave because the money was good. My community was there, I'd worked all these years to build a reputation, it was really hard to leave. And then the pandemic happened, all events stopped. So I thought, hey, what am I gonna do now? This kind of like nudged me. And so with nothing to do, and also with a uh I guess it's my coping mechanism is to be productive. I wrote my book in three months. Uh, It looks like this and it's available on Amazon. I wrote it in three months and I knew exactly who I was talking to. It's basically the old me, but it's a high-performing woman who, again, feels like, is there something wrong with me? Like, I need some clarity points. I love helping women connect the points of what exactly are are you looking for? What do you want? And a lot of these things you also learn by dating more, right? Dating is a great way to, look at oneself instead of let me, let me find out about this person. What are you learning about yourself? And as I was, I would date more, I would kind of update my lists or, you know, and learn certain things about myself. And so it's kind of a blueprint. My book is a blueprint to help women connect those dots faster.
1: Now, what age do you suggest a woman dive into exploring exactly who they're looking for? Like, is there a an age that you thought, you know what, a 25 year old should pick up this book right now, or a 30 year old, or like what point in time should someone really take their dating lives seriously?
0: I think it depends on the person. I think some people, they tend to want to settle down earlier. Where I live in LA, it tends to be later. People joke about like a Peter Pan syndrome within <laughs> big cities that people tend to marry later. I think if you have that feeling that you want to create something serious, that is when you should pick up my book or listen to dating podcasts or things like that or marriage podcasts. But you might learn in the process too, Hmm. I thought I wanted something serious or I thought I wanted to get married. And you might learn in the process, actually, I don't. Yeah, actually, I don't. But if that's what you want in the moment, I think my book is great. great to read to help you get clarity to create what you're looking for.
1: Now you mentioned that you did a quite a bit of self-help and went to different courses or retreats and things like that. Like what was something that really opened up your mind to helping you with your situation? Like was there something that someone said or a conference you went to that was like wow, this was well worth the money?
0: Absolutely. There's been so many, so many aha moments and uh basically opening up, you know, to date well and create the relationship you want. You really have to be open. There was one called, it's a funny name, Awesomeness Fest is the name of the conference. They shortened it to A-Fest and it, it attracts a lot of people who are high performers, who they work hard and they party hard and they want to be the change in this world, like people who just want to like eat life up. And it also attracts a lot of people who feel like they're the black sheep in their family. That's what I've noticed by the people that I've met, like they didn't really fit in growing up. And I remember when I went the first time, I feel like I found my people, like people who see me and who understand. And it kind of gave me a safe space to be self-expressed because they're in general are not judgmental because they're. The people who the conference attracts are naturally very open-minded, which makes one feel very safe because I grew up in a home, I mean, immigrant Asian parents, it's not uncommon that they're judgmental and they could be very critical and all that. So to me, it was so refreshing that I could let loose and be more self-expressed and not have to hold back of, you know, what do I have? What should I say? Everyone was just so warm, you know, like the eye contact, the hug. All those things. So I I started to find my people as I traveled more, went to these conferences. I had several coaches that were very helpful. Uh, that would basically, you know, they would call me out on things. For example, I I had one. His name was Gypsy. He passed away. He was a Native American uh, older man in his seventies, very wise. And I would see him, you know, every few months for for years and. I think he got tired of me talking about my dating life. He would always say, you know, like, why are you choosing these Mickey Mouse (laughs) ding-dongs? But I remember one time he said, hey, if after you leave the session with me and you go outside and you meet your person, are you going to embrace him? And I said, yes, I want a relationship, of course. And he looked at me like he was almost going to say something. And he just sat back and he said, okay, but I knew exactly what he meant in that moment. He said, no, you're not ready because there was still more healing I had to do in order to let that person in. And uh, yeah, so it was things like that. However, the biggest thing that I did, and this came through different programs. I, I took landmark education as well. Have you heard of landmark?
1: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm a pretty logical person. So I would say it's kind of based more on logic. It. Helps me with my communication a lot, but it opened conversations that I had with my parents. And I think if you can heal the relationship with your parents, which is one of the hardest ones, your family, all other relationships will be so, so much easier. And it wasn't easy to do. But I had uh, a conversation with my mom, who is a traditional tiger mom. Uh, She was very tough on us growing up. And. I, we weren't always super close. Like I resented her for a long time and she raised us to be extremely independent, extremely capable, but emotionally she was very cold and I was a very sensitive kid. And I, I think I wanted a mom that was warmer. So I didn't, I didn't feel seen. There was a lot of pain there. So I opened up a conversation with her and landmark helped me with that because I, di- I didn't know how. Like, I'm like, what do you, what do you do? I don't, we don't talk like this, <laughs> you know. And I basically called her, and the coach basically helped me say like, how, are you, like, does your mom know that you love her? I'm like, well, she should, you know, I'm our daughter. He's like, but do you really know? I'm like, I guess I don't. How are you? How are you gonna know? I guess I can ask her. Like you could ask her. So that's what I asked her. And I said, Hey, mom, I'm doing this program. (laughs) And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you a question and she's like, sure. So I asked her, do you know that I love you? And she said, no, she's like, you know what? No, I don't always know. She said, you're not like your sister. I don't feel like I understand you all the time. I feel like you, You've always been against me as a child, and it basically opened up our relationship. That she was a huge turn. In
1: English or Chinese?
0: She speaks. We speak in English. My parents speak to my sister and I in a mix of Cantonese and English, but we respond in English. It's, it's basically turned into English. And my parents immigrated here in the seventies. So they they have a mix of traditional Asian values along with, I would say actually they're more uh, pro- progressive than a lot of my Asian friends' parents. Pretty open-minded, like they never pressure us to have kids. They might have mentioned like, it'd be nice, but they're, they don't sound like that. <laughs> um, so that was a huge turning point. And uh, Yeah. I think healing a lot of women or people will ask, you know, but how do I change my dating patterns? How do I become more confident? how, and I say, you need to heal. And that looks different for everybody. But once you heal, then you see things differently. You show up differently. And so my mom was a very obvious uh, pain point for me growing up. So it was really obvious. I need to heal that. And I, with my dad, that was more of a blind spot for me, that I didn't know that I had healing work to do with him because I was always a daddy's girl growing up. He's super patient. He always let me be me. Freedom is a core value of mine. Um, when my parents got divorced, I cho- They let us choose who we wanted to live with, and I chose my dad because of the freedom, and also he just was never criticizing me. You know, he always. Uh, it just felt good to be with him. And then, so he basically saw me through my teen years. And so we, we became really, really close. So I never thought I had stuff with him, but I realized when I dove into personal growth, I there was a pain point there that I failed to acknowledge, which happened when my parents got divorced. And that kind of first opened up in therapy. (laughs) Basically, when I went to therapy, I didn't realize how much I suppressed my emotions. And the therapist was fantastic in asking me certain things. The first thing she asked me was, are your parents together or divorced? And I said, divorced. And she just sat back and waited for me to say more. And then my tears just started coming down. And I said, I did not know that that bothered me this much because I'd had said it so many times since I was a kid. Like, oh yeah, my parents are divorced. Yeah, my parents are divorced. And she gave me a safe space to feel my emotions where that's where a lot of the healing starts. You have to process those emotions and let them out. I had a lot of sadness. I had a lot of anger. And with my dad, uh, what, what came up was, He basically did some things that were out of integrity and he never apologized about the divorce or acknowledged anything. He didn't take responsibility or I never heard him say anything. And I realized that it was important to me. So when I got the clarity on that, I wrote him a letter. Um, Sometimes I express myself better in written form. And I think he as well might, <laughs> you know, it would just, it was just best for us. If, if some people ask like, should I call, should I, whatever, it just depends. Uh, I live in LA, he's in the Bay area. And I, I just, I wrote him a letter and it was really easy for me to write. And I just said, Hey dad, this doesn't change how I feel about you. I just want you to know, you know, I said, what happened between you and mom, you know, and the divorce, I said, you know, it's not that you just didn't think about mom. You didn't think about crystal. That's my sister. You didn't think about me. You didn't think about your family and you never said, sorry. And it impacted me a lot. Sorry. I'm getting choked up. There's other stuff going on right now with my family stuff. So I sent it and it was more for my own self-expression, you know, that I wanted him to know. I didn't need him to do anything. I didn't need him to say, sorry. I just like you know, he should probably know this. So as soon as I sent it, I felt so much lighter. And I, I had forgot that I sent it. Sometimes if you've done personal growth, you're kind of in your personal growth high. <laughs> Everything's great. And then next time I went to the Bay Area to visit my parents, I walked into his office. And I said, hey, dad. And he was completely different. I, he wouldn't look at me his shoulders were a little bit slumped down. And he said, he said, you know, I don't know why I'm so emotional right now. I'm so sorry. And he hugged me for a little bit tighter than he normally does. And then in that moment, I realized how important it is for me to tell people how I feel because you're never in control of how they respond, but it is really important for you to say it. And I saw the impact that it it had on my dad, and, I, and since then, it really helped with my dating because I had trouble with self expression as a kid, and so I realized like, oh, to create these intimate kind of relationships, this vulnerability, I have to tell people how I feel. So I would say healing the relationship with my parents was probably the biggest turning point for me in shifting around my life and. Uh, opening up to, oh, to help how old were you?
1: How old were you when he got this letter?
0: I th- I must have been 30, 31, early 30s. Okay. Yeah.
1: And you and your mom, did you guys, we didn't finish that story when you were asking your mom if she knew if you loved her. And she said, no, you don't always tell me. So how, how did that end the conversation?
0: Yeah, it it ended amazing. I We basically gave each other a chance to express where we were coming from and I'm trying to think exactly what the words were saying and I actually to be honest I don't remember I just remember ha- having a lot more empathy for her and understanding better instead of thinking as a kid like you, you know, it's always moms it's whatever they do is it, it it's Uh, It's for you, right? It was in my best interest, or at least she was trying to. It was for me. However, with our parents, I think, um, and through the conversation, I was able to forgive her more because I I had... The way that I was treated as a kid, I just made up my own stories in my head. I kind of villainized her, you know? And so just really forgiving that. Our parents are doing the best that they can. They know. And actually, now that I'm older, I totally value how my mom raised me. Like, I, I would not want anyone else to raise me. And she, you know, the immigrants, it's more survival mode. So education was really important to them. You know, be capable. She said her goal was, you know, if I throw you girls out into this the world, I want you to be able to take care of yourself. That survival mode. And we are extremely capable and drives my husband crazy sometimes because we're like efficiency is really important to us you know if you're trying you know efficiency is really important so she taught us all that she taught us business skills uh however with uh personal relationships it it didn't translate well because it almost felt like things are never good enough i'm not good enough i have to earn love That's what I thought. And a lot of high achievers, it's not uncommon that they feel that way as well. Because we're used to being in the climb, right? We like being in that uncomfortable space of building. When it comes to love, it almost feels unfamiliar if someone just loves you for you and you don't have to do anything. It feels like, what? what?" It can can, honestly feel boring to some high achievers. And so, you know, you only know what you're familiar with. So, yeah, that that I had to get used to. And that's my husband. It's just super grounded. And I feel like I could be me with him. That was the number one thing that I looked for. I'm like, can I just be me? I dated so many guys where I felt like I couldn't fully be me. And it's very painful. It just reminds me of a kid of me not feeling able, like I could fully be self-expressed. So that's one of the indicators to me that I'm health, like emotionally healthy in a good place is I'm self-expressed. Can I be me with this person?
1: I always feel Uh, like relationships shouldn't be so hard when you find the right person. It should be easy and you should be able to feel safe and understood and be yourself, right? Like that's kind of when you realize you knew he was the right person for you because you felt, okay, he understands me. He gets me he thinks I'm funny. All my quirks are funny, not annoying or not weird, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, Did your sister choose to live with your dad also or your mom?
0: No, she chose to live with my mom. So this is an interesting dynamic. So my sister and I, we get along great now, but growing up, we didn't get along well. We had completely different uh, ways of coping. She, For her, she had a lot of uh, anger and emotions as kids and the way that she would express them would be anger like fighting with my parents fighting with me fighting with their friends I was more introverted and I would withdraw and then you know for someone looking to connect in certain ways and then someone who's looking to withdraw like it just we were not close growing up and then we butted heads a lot we fought a lot and uh, when we became adults and then after she had kids actually was when we became a lot closer but she always always, she's very similar to my mom even though they they fight a lot but there was something I think they understand each other naturally better as my dad and I understand each other better Uh, personality wise like my sister's more fiery like my mom like aggressive (laughs) and then I'm more like my dad. I have elements of my mom too, especially as I'm getting older, I'm like turning into my mom, which actually I don't mind. I totally get why <laughs> she's, I love that she's very outspoken and she'll say, if someone does something she doesn't like, you know, she's like, you need to tell them, say it. My dad's more patient, uh, quiet, independent, freedom-driven, you do you. I have, I value all those things. So yeah, there was just more ease there. Um, choosing to live with my dad and then um, my sister. It, but it's funny though, because we have different memories through our teen years that really shaped up because of that decision. I and mean, we only lived like a mile apart, um, but yeah, through high school and stuff, where she's two years older, we had some shared friends, but overall, like it was competitive. It was competitive, yeah. You
1: were, you were still living two miles apart and saw each other at school, but you just didn't live together.
0: Correct. Okay. But we had different groups of friends. Yeah, we had different groups of friends. And um, yeah, and there was like similar to my relationship with my mom, there was a big chunk of years where I just did not want to hang out with her. I just thought, like, if I didn't know, like, if we weren't related, I wouldn't choose to be friends with someone like you. Yeah, that was the feeling. And I, you know, photographing weddings for 15 years, I saw so many family dynamics. I'm also always very drawn to connection and things like that. Not just between the bride and groom, but just all family dynamics. And I learned through what, like, seeing hundreds of thousands of families, it's actually not uncommon for siblings to have something like that. Cause my sister will say as adults, like, God, we fought a lot and had it. And, but I tell her, I'm like, it might, it seems that way if you don't talk to anyone, but with me seeing all these families and talking with my friends as well, it was actually more common from my observation that there was some things with the siblings. Of course, there's some families where it's super close. Everyone's really, really close, but it wasn't uncommon to see siblings that you can tell didn't have a close relationship. I think for that, there's many factors. I think there's, um, I think parenting is one thing, but I think there's also such thing as just personality, different types of personalities. But for us, we were never raised, like our parents never helped us with conflict resolution. That would have been really helpful. I mean, cause of course, growing up, they didn't get it. Like no one did anything. It's just like a free for all, you know? <laughs> So we didn't learn like conflict resolution, we didn't learn like forgiveness and none of that communication, none of that. And so as an adult, I sought that out. I sought out number one, good communication because that if you have that skill, I think it's one of the most valuable skills to have in life. And uh, not just communicating well, but also self-awareness and knowing what you're feeling so that you can communicate that to the other person.
1: I feel like it's so important that when you come out of a family that has been divorced, that you are self-aware and you realize, you know what, I want to fix this for myself and for my future partner and for my family. Like you seem to have been very aware of that and you wanted to find ways to make yourself better, right? So that you knew that, okay, this was what was missing in my family's relationships and I want to do this. So it helps me with my husband and, you know, kids and that kind of stuff. So that's so important to do. And hopefully people out there, I mean, divorce rate is what like 55% now. And there's definitely room for all of us to improve these relationships. Um, Your husband, is he, are his parents still together?
0: Yeah, they're still together. They live in New Jersey, and they're they're immigrants as well from Poland and Scotland. And so the mentality is pretty similar to my family's. I I think it's the immigrant me- mentality of uh, valuing education and work ethic, and uh, they're very their family's big, uh, similar to mine, like six siblings on each side of you know, his parents. And so Christmas, it's big, there's a lot of cousins, (laughs) and aunties and uncles. And um, yeah, they're still together. And they're more, it's funny, because I just am so fascinated by human, like, relationship dynamics and human behavior. So I, I was so eager to meet my husband's parents and family for, for the first time, because you learn so much about a person by seeing their family. And more and more, I see how he I'm like, you are your dad. You're yeah, like you're exactly like your dad. And I don't, he's not my husband's not into personal growth as much as I am. He's open to it. And that was something that was important to me that someone's at least open to it. I didn't need someone who had their stuff figured out and is already doing all the things. It's more I looked for character first, and as someone because we're always working on ourselves, someone could have the most self-awareness and they could show up to relationship not well you know whether you know if they don't have a good character or if they're not willing to you know um my husband comes from a family where they're very grounded they're very humble simple healthy his parents respect their kids which i have never i've actually never seen that before because i've always seen parents who think they're right (laughs) you should do this you should do that and they really respect their kids like what do you like to do Oh, maybe you know we'll try that instead of like no, you're going to come with us and you're going to do what we want to do. It, it's it's amazing. It, it's my first uh, experience having like <laughs> observing <laughs> what a healthy family looks like, and of course, every family has their things. People fight; they do that, but overall, it's it's really lovely. Yeah, yeah. To witness and be now, a part of
1: your book and your podcast is to help independent women find love. What are couple of ideas or tips that you can give the women out there to help guide them. If they're so independent, I feel like they must excel at their jobs or they have a great career. They know what they're doing at work, but sometimes that doesn't translate to their romantic or dating lives. So what are some things you can speak upon to share about that?
0: (laughs) Sure. If you're hyper-independent, I think one of the first things is to be open and allow people to help you because that allowing someone to help you is letting them love you. For example, I used to, my mom always taught us, like, don't inconvenience other people. So a guy might say like, oh, I'll come pick you up or, you know, I'll do this. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's very Chinese. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I would never let them help me and so with that habit you almost train like I found myself in relationships where I was almost like chasing the person instead because the people who wanted to do that I would never let them do that so to let people help you let and actually it was an aha moment for me when I had girlfriends over one night for a a dinner party and then they started they're cleaning up for me and I felt so uncomfortable I said stop I'll do it later (laughs) you know don't worry and one of them looked at me and said, Oh my gosh, can you please just let us help you? And it clicked for me. I have a problem. I don't let people help me. So it was really <laughs> learning, uh, learning that Learn, you know is uncomfortable at first, but letting people do that, that's a big one. So one being open to let people help you, let them love you. That's a big one. And uh, let me think what's, I have so many nuggets, but uh, <laughs> I think one thing to look out for, I think high performers can also focus a lot on the other person and like have their checklist. And while there are certain things that do matter, of course, you, what's valid, you know, what you're looking for is what you're looking for, but doing more introspection of, and having the awareness of how do you feel when you're with them? Because that to me is the sign that you've met your person or that you're in a good place. Am I self-expressed? Do I feel comfortable with him? You know, you know what it feels like when you feel good and when you're thriving and your friends also know what that looks like. So I usually tell people, you know, your trusted friends, whenever you bring someone new around and if they give their opinion on whether they like him or not, they're not really looking at him they're, and his choice, they're not like, oh, cool. He's at this and this and he does this for work. They're looking at you because they know what a good version of you looks like. So if you're relaxed, if you are how, if you're showing up the way, like how you show up with your friends, they know what that looks like. So if they say he's good for you. That's what they're looking at. And conversely, you know, if you're anxious around him and they could tell like you're, you're not being you, that's when they might say like, mm, I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know if he's good for you.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I know you said, uh, let people help you, let them love you. Another thing that I took some time to get used to is it's okay to ask for help. You know, it's okay to say, hey, can you grab some ice on your way here? I'm not inconveniencing them, but rather they actually feel good to help you, especially if they offer to help, right? And I was the same way, kind of like, oh, I don't want them to be inconvenienced. Like, you know, I don't want them to drive out of the way, pick me up and then take me go on a date. Like, But yeah, actually, if they offer, they want to do that for you. So if you say yes, it actually makes them feel good that they are doing something for you. So it actually does take some time to be okay with accepting help and asking for help. And so now I'm not afraid to ask for help because- if someone says yes, and they can help you, it makes them feel good. And it works. It's like a win-win for all of us. Right?
0: Absolutely. And they can always say no too. maybe they're busy. Like, I'm so sorry. You know, can you ask someone else? Cause I, um, my meeting's running late and that's it. You'll get a no, yeah. but to actually, as I'm getting older, I'm getting more comfortable asking as well. Cause some women can be really bold with their ass. that it makes me feel a little uncomfortable just because I'm not used to like, Oh my gosh. And I really admire them. And I think I need to learn to do that better, <laughs> more.
1: So what else? Um, you talked about a little bit about career transition and things like that. What's some advice you can give out to women who may be in the same place where you are? And what have you found out?
0: You Do you really want to open that can of worms?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we have nine minutes, so. Okay, I,
0: I will condense. My feelings about this. uh Well, basically, I have found it to be different than when I was in my 20s. In my 20s, I felt like I had a lot of time to explore. I wasn't as hard on myself for exploring and learning about myself during that time. Now, in my 40s, I notice I'm a lot harder on myself. I'm like, Am I being efficient? Am I making the right decision? Some feelings were like, I feel like a loser. Like, I, you know, like, Uh, One of the things that actually makes, I guess I do put it in my self-worth, but I also get really happy generating income. If if you're familiar with like the human profile, human design, I'm a generator. So I like generating income. I like when I get the check. I like when I get the deposits of my bank account. And it makes me really happy. And so building the podcast and the book, so my book sales, I call it my lunch money. It's not a ton of money, but I wasn't, I'm not making as much money as I was before. And so I've been really hard on myself in terms of myself or like, what am I doing? I'm leaving one community that I had built 15 years to be a part of. I'm known in this community in the luxury event space. And all of a sudden it's, I'm basically finding a new community, which is kind of like finding new friends as well. So it takes time, which it's a lot better this year because I've been doing the things I've been going to new conferences, putting myself in new rooms, and I'm starting to see the same people now. And so, you know, we recognize each other. And I remember when I look back at when I was building my photography career. Yes, it takes years. It takes years to do that. So now that I have more wisdom, I just have to remind myself to remember to stay patient and that it takes time. I honestly think that it takes minimum like 10 years to build your reputation in a certain career, 10 years. And so I just have to remember to be patient with myself. And the book and my podcast is a stepping stone. Uh, I am confident that I'm going to get to where I want to go. It's just feeling the feelings while I'm in this space. Sometimes there's unknown. Sometimes there's changing my mind. Like I used to think that I wanted to, you know, create a course on dating. And I have a lot of internet marketer friends. They do that because it was more practical and linear. And I I learned that it's it's not what I want to be known for. Like if you think, like, what do you want to be known for? It's not that... The book is definitely something I'm putting it out to the world because I know that this conversation is needed. And I told myself, if I could just help one woman, because I know how it feels when you're there, I will feel great. And luckily, I helped more than one woman. Um, but yeah, my, my bigger picture is uh, I want to work with Asians in entertainment, I love storytelling. I love to write, I love to direct and produce, and that uh, takes a lot of networking, and there's a lot of unknown. You could do all the right things, but it comes down to luck, who you know, um, in addition to talent as well. But I've been meeting some really cool people, and I feel like dating is something that, and love and relationships, relationships with our parents, is something that everyone can relate to and every most people have fun talking about it so it's a nice point of connection as a conversation starter so yeah so we'll see we'll see in 10 years when I'm 51 where I'm at but I'm yeah I'm doing the things and uh, I'm not gonna lie though during the letting go of my last um career it was extremely difficult and it was a really dark time I was depressed I it was not easy and there was also the added layer of the pandemic that didn't help but it's definitely a lot better you just have to remember to be proactive and keep doing and just put myself in a headspace of being curious and learning versus hard on myself of like you changed your mind you can't like why can't you come just choose one thing and commit to it but it's you know you just live your truth in I can feel when something's in in alignment or or not so if I learn it's not in alignment like I used to want this but I don't anymore that that's okay. Right, right.
1: What about the men out there who want to date a high-quality woman and she's independent, very good at her career, makes good money? How do you suggest men go about courting the independent woman?
0: That's the tricky thing about dating today is because everyone's different. So I think this is why communication is really important. Because I know some independent women who... They don't want, they get offended almost if a guy will open a door for her, which I'm, I'm different from that because I, I kind of like some of those old school things, you know, that she might think, like, I could do it myself. To me, I like some of the old school dating uh, habits. You know, my husband's great at that. He, you know, walk, when we're walking on a sidewalk, he always takes the, the street side, opens the car door still. That I like. And he wants to pay. Even though I don't need him to pay, he wants to pay. And that makes me feel good. It makes me feel taken care of and like he cares. So I I think it takes time to learn what that woman likes and doesn't like. And you only learn by dating them, right? You might suggest, actually, one thing I saw a guy do, which I thought was great, because a lot of women, they don't feel comfortable being picked up, especially for the first date, because of safety, especially these days he sent her a message and said you know I would love to take you out let me know um like I would love to send a car for you but if you don't want that I can just meet you at the restaurant giving her a choice and that I thought was really well done but I I, yeah with men I talk to a lot of men on my podcast and they said it is like I I they're so unsure because women are different. Some like texts, some like calls. And I think, you know, if this sounds, this piece of advice is so annoying, but it's true. Like if you just be you and you're genuine in your interest, you just can't go wrong, you know? And you're going to learn the, throughout the night on the second, third, fourth, fifth date, you're just going to learn more and more about them. But I think just showing up, number one. And yeah, just being you, because some men, I think they say they want an independent woman, but that comes with whatever you want. There's always the flip side of it too. You know, I see a lot of them and they say they want that, but it's, they find them difficult to be with. I'm like, maybe you don't want an independent woman, you know, but at the same time, that's the thing. You're never going to get everything always remember, I always remind people that the thing that you love about someone is also going to be the thing that drives you loony. For example, my husband's super patient. I love his patience, but it also means someone who is slower than me, does not have a sense of urgency, (laughs) and it drives me nuts. But I think I would prefer that than having it the other way, someone who's highly impatient, and uh like if I was with me, like two type A's, it would be too, it would be too much. We had butt heads all the time. Um, so yeah, for, for yeah, basically for men, I would really just say, you know, be you. I don't think there's anything to be apologetic for, just be you, ask the questions if she doesn't like it, you know, you can clarify and That's what dating is, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's what dating is, getting to know that person.
1: I know. And there's nothing wrong with asking somebody like, hey, Christine, do you prefer that I call you or text you? And then if you say, actually, I prefer text messages versus calling. Yeah. If you say you prefer texting, then you better reply in a timely manner. If he texts you, I feel like don't say one thing and then don't follow through. Like if someone asked me, "May do you prefer text messages or emails, or should I ping you on Messenger, or should I do a Zoom call?" I mean, I prefer text messages. That's actually great. I always reply to text messages in a very, very, very timely manner because I say that's my preferred communication. If you say you prefer phone calls, then you better answer your phone if he calls you. Call. Oh, you absolutely. Know what I mean?
0: Yeah. 100%. And I've seen that. actually. I've seen a lot of women do that where I mean, it's one thing if you're maybe if you're not interested, I'm like, then tell be clearer about it. like, don't waste up anyone's time, you know, but with the texting, if you see his message, because I actually I used to do this because I didn't want to seem overly eager. I wouldn't text back right away. And it really kills if there's chemistry, it really kills the chemistry And so that's great advice. Once you see the text, just respond. Yeah. I was just afraid he would think like, Oh my God, I'm on my phone all the time or I'm like waiting for him. But if I see the text, which I check my phone a lot, respond to the text and it always made me feel good when someone else did that for me. And also that's kind of self-awareness too. And knowing yourself is yeah. The picking up the phone too. I've had women who, you know, they say they want to date, they want to meet their person and The guy calls and she like throws her phone, like, I don't I don't want to pick it up. I said, Oh my gosh, I thought you said you wanted a relationship. You need to pick up the phone.
1: Right, right. The proper relationship will not be all this game playing. That's my (laughs) yes, that's my um yeah, words of wisdom. But Christine, thank you so much for your time for joining me and telling me your stories and all that. And I will put all of your information in the show notes. And any last words of wisdom before I let you go?
0: Oh. I mean, I was no words of wisdom. I was actually going to say I would because I talked so much during this episode. I would love to have you on my podcast because so many people are interested or curious about having a matchmaker. And I would love to hear more of your dating tips because I'm sure you've seen all sorts of people. You've heard all the requests and things like that. People who say one thing, but they do another. So I would really love to have you on my podcast.
1: I would gladly accept that invitation. So, well, thank you so much, Christine. And thank you, everybody out there listening. Please like or subscribe to this channel. I appreciate any feedback you have. Put in the comments or just email me at may at twoasiamatchmakers.com and thank you very much and have a good day everybody bye bye christine